Welcome everyone to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Bodcher. Terrific. So Dave, you know what? This week marks our 20th episode. Wow, hey! The big 20! We've been doing the show for 20 weeks, so congratulations to us for making it this far. Um, so for our 20th episode, I wanted to do, I wanted to have a topic be something really good. Uh, so this week we will be talking about the hunter of man eaters, my man, Jim Corbett. Ooh. And today we will talk all about his life, his accomplishments, and a bit on hunting the man eaters. Okay. And uh, I will say that uh, Jim Corbett and his stories were a big part of the inspiration that made me think of this podcast. Okay, doing these man-eating stories. Uh, I, I sat on I sat on doing this on doing covering him and some of these man-eating stories. I wanted to wait until we get a little bit better and kind of figure out this whole podcasting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, I, I think we're ready. Okay, I think we're ready now. Uh, I worked really hard on this episode too. I we I even waited a whole extra day to make sure I get things right. So I just hope that I can do him justice. Sounds good. Uh, before we get into Jim, uh, we hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode on the recent animal stories. Uh, I think my favorite was the bear attack story. Yeah, <laughs> where the <laughs> the guys accidentally spray themselves in the face with the bear spray. Yeah, just a whole bunch of shenanigans went wrong there. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also earlier this week, we put out a bonus episode. Uh, this bonus episode lined up perfectly to what we are talking about this week. And if you haven't listened to it yet, it's about a story from last week last weekend where a man eating tiger was killed in India. Just happened just barely uh so be sure to check out that episode if you haven't dave what would you I remember your favorite part about that you were you like the obsession oh yeah <laughs> how they lured the tiger in with some obsession calvin klein yeah cologne sounds like people were spraying it the wrong way there too <laughs> like the bear spray <laughs> <laughs> well, spraying all over themselves. they did it right because they back at oh i got on my eyes <laughs> <laughs> then it attacks him well they did it right because they they caught the tiger no, that's true, that, so. yeah. But anyway, don't buy Calvin Klein Obsession if you <laughs> live in the jungles of India or anywhere there are wild cats, I guess. <laughs> yeah, although that's kind of how they market it is for the clubbing, you know? <laughs> maybe for cougars. Take this like, to go to a club. Meow. <laughs> maybe for cougars, right? right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cougars are going to love you. Just the wrong kind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, but... Uh, like always, we want to thank all of our listeners. Thank you for turning tuning in to us and listening to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you know what you can do? You can uh, take 30 seconds and go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Say something nice. Say something you like about the show. It really helps us get noticed and make us stand out a bit. Uh, so please, please do that if you can. Also, me and Dave really like when we get some feedback. Yeah. Don't we, Dave? Yeah. Okay. So, are you ready to meet our guy? I'm ready. All right. Uh, Jim Corbett. His birth name is actually Edward James Corbett, Hmm. but he he goes by Jim. He was born... So does Captain Kirk. (laughs) He does. (laughs) I I think it's a common thing to have James and Jim and Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, he was born July 25th, 1875. And he, he lived a pretty long life, too. I'll get to his death at the very end. But And, he man, he lived an interesting life as well. Mm. Uh, Jim was a hunter. He was a tracker, a conservationist, an author, and a naturalist. He also held the rank of colonel in the British Indian Army. Wow. So he was a British man, but was actually born and raised in India. So okay. remember, remember yeah, this is the, still when the British Empire was around and they owned or ran India and Pakistan and Bangladesh. Yeah. They ran that and I think Burma too. But that okay. whole area they uh, the British Empire ran. And so we're, we're going to get into his early life a little bit, not too much. Okay. So he grew up in a large family and was the eighth child of 16. Wow. Now, I've had when I was going over it some of the sources were different. And some one source said there was nine children, but I think 
because one of his parents was uh, one of his parents was born to somebody who died, and so I think some of these are half brothers and sisters. Oh, okay. So that's got to play that plays a part. So uh, we're gonna a couple of sources said around sixteen, so we're gonna say sixteen. Okay. But he was the eighth, so right in the middle. Gee, the middle that's child. That's so yeah. many, huh? Just go outside and play. <laughs> that's how he. Gets well, he he definitely outdoors. did go outside and play. That's what we're gonna get to. <laughs> Uh, his father was Christopher William Corbett, and his mother was Mary Jane Corbett. His parents moved to India in the city of Nainatal. I got that right, too. Hmm. I looked it up. No, oh, hey. In the Kumeon region. Got that right, too. Looked it up. <laughs> which is now in the... Which is, isn't really around anymore. It is now called... Uh, it's now an Indian state called Uttarakhand. Don't know if mm. I got that one right. That one couldn't find. <laughs> well, sounded good. <laughs> yeah, well, sure, we'll say that. But yeah, it's a very long word. And some of the, so I'm going to mispronounce a few things probably in this episode. A lot of it's in Indian, but I'm going to do my best. Okay. And some of the some of these are pretty difficult. But his parents moved there after his father had quit military service and been appointed the town's postmaster oh, in Nainital. Okay. Which is the head of the post office. Pretty decent job, actually, huh? Mm. It's not a bad job at all. Town. Wow. His mother, Mary Jane, was influential in Natal social life among Europeans. And she became kind of a real estate. Uh, she did real estate for other European settlers. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You can see how they would want to go to her to do that. Yeah. So Christopher, the father, died after a heart attack in 1881 when Jim was only six years old. Mm. But Jim didn't let that get him down. Plus, he had so many brothers. One of his one of his older brothers took after took the postmaster job oh, okay. after his father because who knows how I don't know how old all of his brothers and sisters were, but there's not that much about him. Except for one, we'll get to her. Okay. Uh, from an early age, uh, Jim was fascinated by the forests and wildlife he lived nearby. Uh, through frequent excursions, he learned to identify most bird and animals by their calls. Wow. And over time, he became a excellent tracker and hunter, as we'll find out. Uh, he was also very close with his sister, Margaret, uh, who he called Maggie. Not like in a weird way or anything, but... Uh, <laughs> She she comes up at the very end. They end up uh, still being very close till they die. Actually, well, that's good. And so at age eighteen, I had, there's another where I said I had a couple of sources say eighteen, nineteen, seventeen. So we're just gonna say around eighteen years old. Jim took a job as a fuel inspector for the Northwestern Railway hmm. there in India. Uh, this allowed him to travel the country and learn various dialects. And learn new the culture around him. Okay. And so he did that for several years uh, in his in his twenties. Uh, so also as a young adult, Jim was drawn in with the big game hunting community. Hmm. He would often accompany other hunters and was educated on India's animals, particularly the big cats. Hmm. So tigers and leopards. There actually are lions that live in India, too. Oh, but really? they're actually in the south part, so they don't play a part in this. Oh, okay. But yeah, lions do live in India. Interesting. Yeah, we'll cover that. We're going to have lion episodes. Oh, and I'm going to be saying this a lot this episode, that we're going to cover this sometime. We're going to cover this sometime. It's going to come up a lot. Oh, maybe that's where they came up with the lion's king of the jungle, you know? Yeah, maybe. Because if you think about it, there's the lions in Africa. It's a savannah. <laughs> yeah. It's so not a jungle. That's, that's very likely. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, we'll cover that again. So. Okay. Uh, he developed into a masterful hunter, learning to read the environment by observing the forest and the creature's reactions. Hmm. He taught himself to mimic the sounds of the forest, to track wildlife, and to watch for warnings. When night would fall, he had no fear of sleeping anywhere in the wild with only a small campfire as company. Jeez. And I know that for a fact because I've been reading his book and he's literally just out there by himself a lot of the time. Wow. Uh, and there's one story of where he was mimicking a leopard call, which I don't like that's a roar. That's a guttural roar. Oh, wow. But it, it was so good that actually somebody started hunting him. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing turned out out of it, but yeah, it just, like that's how good he was at doing wow. this stuff. 
and he was blessed with the with the gift of great stamina and could hike through jungles miles at a time. This guy, he was big, strong. I mean, he wasn't like a big guy, but man, he was tough. Just a tough guy. Man. Uh, so see the British Teddy Roosevelt. In a lot of ways, we can say that. Wow. So Jim is quite the outdoorsman, to say the least. And I'll say this too: in all, all the there's only a couple pictures I've seen of him, but he looks exactly what you would think he would look like. Oh yeah. Yeah. He he's he's just a regular sized dude. He he does have a very nice mustache though. Ooh. In pictures, he wears like the traditional safari type outfit, like exactly what you would think. Okay. Like a button-up shirt, tan shorts, high socks, and a cowboy-type hat. So nice. very stereotypical safari look. Well, he might have been the one who originated it. Hey. Could be so then. if you dress up as a safari person for Halloween, you probably got it from Jim Corbett. <laughs> nice. Just, that's, that's what I should have done this year. Oh, yeah. I'm Jim Corbett. <laughs> I don't know why I gave him a Canadian accent right there. But <laughs> I'm going to do that next year. I'm Jim Corbett next year. Nice. <laughs> So, Jim is already an awesome guy in my book. He's a very forward-thinking man as well, as we will find out. Uh, let's talk about some of his hunting exploits. Okay. In 1906, Jim's uncanny hunting skills were called into action when a friend and fellow hunter contacted him with an opportunity to use his powers for good. And nice. that is to hunt the infamous Champawat tiger. Champawat, huh? I think I'm saying that right. Is that the, a town or is that a certain... Well, that's breed? like the area. Oh, okay. It's a certain area that all, all the man-eating names are after a certain oh, area. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So this was the this is, uh, his first hunt for a man-eater. And this, this man-eater, this tiger he's going after... Now, this is... The, we can't get a more heavy hitter than this one, Dave. Okay. This tiger killed more humans than any other individual animal in recorded history. Oh, wow. Like, Jesus. It is in the book, uh, Guinness Book of World Records. So, oh, my well. goodness. This is his first time. This is his first man eater to go after as well. Because it's, it's so infamous around India. And you want to know why? Because, Dave, guess how many kills... Oh, it's a tigress, by the way. Female tiger. Female, huh? So guess hmm. how many kills this tigress has. I don't know. How, how would I know? Give me... How many, a, okay, uh, how many years has she been out there doing this? Uh, I don't want to give too much away, because... Oh, okay. Mm, say 25. <laughs> oh. Okay, f- 40. Up. 60. Up. 90. Up. 100. Up. 120. Up. 130. 50. Dude. 70. Dude, you got to you you jump up a couple hundreds here. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. What the heck? <laughs> Two, 200. 300. 400. It's in the fours. Are you serious? I am serious. 436 confirmed kills. Oh, my goodness. And that's Can a tiger only... even eat that much in their lifetime? Yeah. Jeez. And that's only, that's only uh, the ones that we re- recorded. Oh my god! Could have been more. We don't know. Jeez. So I'm 430, the most prolific man eater of all time. Wow. That we know of. So uh, I'm not gonna go into too much more detail about her, and the reason why is because this hurt that we are going to tell the story in depth next week. Oh, that was good. Huh? Talk about a cliffhanger. Mm, that was a good cliffhanger. <laughs> so we're gonna we're I've got, I've read the story in his book. So we're gonna you know kind of read a little bit from the book and talk about this specific hunt and this this notorious man eater next week. Gee. And all so I'm gonna say this on the end of all these, but we are gonna talk about all these in more in more in depth at different times. Okay. Okay. So we now we are going to go to another famous man-eater called the Chow, Chowgar Tigress. And she has a kill count of 64, which is, yeah. I mean, that's still a lot. Yeah. But like 436, that's so oh many. Anyway, this, so I read this in his book just the other night. Uh, it was this tigress, when he was hunting, I'll give a little bit because we are going to cover this in a full Full time later, but I'll give a little bit. So Jim Corbett was actually hunting 
hunting this tigress and found out there was a cub, but not like uh, an adult cub. It was, was like an, the same size as oh, the, okay. same size as mom. So Jim Corbett mistook the he thought the, the one of them had a lighter color, lighter coat. Uh-huh. And he thought that would have been the mom. Turned out that was the cub. So he accidentally killed the cub. Oh. Even though the cub probably played a big part in a lot of the killing as well. But uh, after that, so he mistook it, and then there was lots of several more deaths after that time until he finally killed her and i'm not going to go over what happened because it's so cool that we got to save it okay uh, but the t- he f- after he killed her they, f- they found that the tigress had worn down and broken teeth okay which is a very common theme that we're going to find out and she was also she was getting old she was pretty old at this time uh-huh. and had worn down claws as well broken teeth mm. the, the teeth are, are play a big part so I'll get in more than that later. Let me just go over this one, next one as well. So another famous man-eater is the leopard of Rudaripurag. That's that did not get that one right. <laughs> that is a, a crazy spelt word, and I'm not. I have no chance. But this leopard killed around 125. Wow. <laughs> and these are only, like I said, these are only the recorded ones. Probably more. Gee. The first kill from the leopard was in 1918. And kept killing for eight more years. Wow. The British government sent soldiers to find this leopard, but their attempts failed. Uh, also, they also attempted to kill the leopard with traps and poison. That also failed. Other known hunters tried to capture the leopard, and the government was offering financial rewards. But in 1925, Jim Corbett took it upon himself to hunt this. Gee. And after a 10-week hunt, 10 oh. weeks, and that's that's like normal for all wow. of these hunts. So a 10-week hunt, he successfully kills the leopard. Jeez. And it was a very, it was a large male leopard. Hmm. Now, unlike most man-eaters, this leopard was in pretty good health and had no serious injuries. Hmm. The And this leopard was known to break down doors Oh, wow. Leap through windows, crawl through the mud or thatch walls of the huts, and drag the people out before eating them. Oh, my goodness. Pretty serious stuff. Gee. Huh? So this leopard started hunt started hunting people eight years earlier when it was still pretty young. Hmm. Okay? Therefore, it was not old age or an injury that caused this leopard to hunt humans, which is very, very rare. Hmm. But Corbett thinks he found the reason why. Hmm. And in his opinion, uh, human bodies that were left unburied during disease epidemics were the main reason for the leopard to become a man-eater. Because it would eventually feed on these dead bodies, scavenge on them, and then maybe you got a taste for it or just realized that it was easy to get these people. I don't know. But that's the main reason that contributes this leopard to being a man-eater. Okay. So it is a very rare occurrence for something like this. Normally it's an injury or something. Hmm. And you know what? We're going to cover this one in a future episode. (laughs) Another leopard we will cover is the leopard of Pinar. Now, this leopard, Dave, Uh is in second place for most prolific man-eater in all of history. Wow. So a leopard, huh? A leopard. Gee. So we had number one, uh, the tiger, tigress, and she had 436. So there isn't an exact number for this leopard, but I'm going to give you a guess. Guess again. Starting at 200? Up. 300? Up. 350? Up. 380? It's right around 400. Oh my goodness. There isn't an exact, but it's all the numbers Gee. are always right around 400. Hundred, so barely in second place. Oh my goodness! Not tr- if he had another month, I bet he could have this male leopard. I bet he could have taken over the tigress. Four hundred <laughs> people. That is a ton. There was. What does he do? Like wait for parties or something? Or <laughs> it's Yo, it's crazy. Oh, slumber party! I'm totally gonna be there. Yeah, <laughs> take a couple out at a time. Yeah, like like Jason or Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Mike Myers, yeah. take a couple out at a oh, time. Oh man, there's Bollywood film horror films on those. Then I've seen. <laughs> I swear, Dave, I watched a a really shitty Bollywood film on YouTube about 
tigers. Oh, really? And it was so awful, but it was like of <laughs> these white tigers. Ah, it was terrible. Okay, enough about that. <laughs> enough about that. Uh, so, leopards, though they are smaller than tigers, can be just as dangerous and just as deadly. Gee. In a lot of ways, they're more dangerous. You wouldn't think so. Actually, well, it makes sense, and actually, Corbett says why. Oh, really? Okay. We'll, we'll t- yes, I'll get in. I'll talk. I'll, t- I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. So this leopard was most active in the Pinar province. Uh, this leopard surprisingly didn't get as much attention as the other man eaters. Like none of the other man eaters. And that's partly because of the remoteness of the Pinar region. Oh, that's okay. What Jim, that's what Corbett says himself. Okay. Uh, the leopard was killed in 1910 by Corbett. Uh, he and he found that the leopard had been injured previously by a hunter, mm. so suffering from bullet wounds, mm. and was unable to hunt its natural prey. So that's why huh. this one turned to man to man eating. So another one, <laughs> another man eater is the Tuck man eater. T H A K. I don't know how to say it. Uh, this was another female tiger, and she has a, uh, a small number of kills compared to all the other ones. This this man-eater only killed four. Oh, okay. Uh, between September to November of 1938. This one is significant, though, in that it was the last man-eater that Corbett hunted. Oh, okay. And he was actually 63 at the time. Wow. As the story goes... The tigress appeared in front of a rock on the dying seconds of the fading sunlight. Hmm. Sun setting. Corbett killed her with two bullets at close range. The hmm. recoil of the shots knocked Corbett from the ledge oh. where he was sitting, and he fell on top of his four men who were underneath the ledge. Oh I don't know how far that... it was, but that's crazy. Jeez. All of his stories have something like this that happens. And I swear he kills all of them like super close range. Uh, so all these stories are they're really fun and they're really exciting. Uh, other <laughs> other man-eaters Corbett hunted were the Mohan man-eater, the Chuka man-eater, the Kanda man-eater, the Muktazar man-eater. Now, I don't know the number of people killed by all of these man-eaters. It doesn't, couldn't find it. And I haven't, I kind of skimmed over it in the book because these stories are in the, most of them are in the book as well. And I haven't finished the book yet. So I'll find out more about these later. Maybe we'll have an episode on them. Nice. <laughs> but in a span of 35 years, from 1906 to 1941, Corbett killed a dozen man-eaters altogether. Hmm. The total number of people killed by these man-eaters is at least 1,500. Oh, my goodness. So 12, indi- 12 individual tigers and leopards killed 1,500 people. Wow. Isn't that insane? That is crazy. I mean, as we as we learned earlier, earlier this week in our bonus episode, it's still happening. There's still man-eaters. Wow. And that's nuts, huh? That is crazy. You're... You, <laughs> with that many people that they've killed, it's hard to say. Well, I wonder how many he saved. <laughs> oh yeah, it's... because I've been thinking. He I mean, did save. Already... He at least saved a few. When a tiger hits four hundred, it's not like you're like, oh, well, he saved some a lot of people. Because <laughs> maybe there were a lot that maybe, didn't get Maybe saved. it could have got to eight hundred. Who knows? Yeah, that would have been crazy. <laughs> you can't even think about something getting that high. That's, That's crazy. Four hundred is so many. Gee. Okay, so. When that's the end of the man, that's the his hunting exploits a little bit. But uh, when Corbett was hunting these man eaters, he insisted on two conditions of the local governments. First, that official rewards be withdrawn, Ooh. so he wouldn't be known as a bounty hunter of Indian wildlife. Oh, okay. And second, that other hunters be withdrawn, so he could avoid being accidentally shot. Oh, well, and it makes sense with this calling. It makes yeah. sense with this calling, and if you remember, we've we've covered a couple of stories where people accidentally get shot hunting. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense. Good call yeah. on his part. His other option then should be like, and uh, make sure nobody takes dogs hunting with them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so the dog doesn't accidentally shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Corbett preferred to hunt alone, 
and on foot. Sometimes he did find himself followed by local villagers who were like eager to help. And given his success at shooting these man-eaters, he became somewhat of a hero and legend uh, among the villagers that, he's, I can that see he that. did this from. Yeah. Uh, Corbett developed a vast respect for tigers and leopards. Uh, the years spent tracking these intelligent and powerful predators through the forest convinced him that these were graceful creatures that deserve respect. Even the, these man-eaters held his respect, for he understood that they were merely adapting to their desperate circumstances. Very well put, huh? Yeah. You know, if you think about it, this guy sounds like a nut you'd see, you know, that you'd hear about in movies. You know, hold on, we're going to make a call. <laughs> I respect these animals. I will live with them. But yet, how could you say, it's funny how you would Hollywood would do something like that. But yet, this is the guy that gets it done, you know? this. Yeah, this, I love this This is what guy. it takes to get it done. And Hollywood will make fun of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, we got a little bit of Hollywood stuff coming up. Oh, do we? Okay. So Jim says, and I quote, the stress of circumstances is in nine cases out of ten wounds, and in the tenth case, old age. That's why okay. they become man ears. Now, I did say that one leopard, that was the eleventh case, I guess you could say, because it, it followed a different route. That yeah. It was eating, scavenging off people who've already been dead. So that's, that, that's another reason why it could happen. Okay. And Corbett also says, I quote, Human beings are not the natural prey of tigers. And it is only when tigers have been incapacitated through wounds or old age that in order to survive, they are compelled to take to a diet of human flesh. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, also, Jim, actually, he never enjoyed killing the animals as well. He, he didn't like... He didn't like to kill the animals or the, the, even the man-eaters. Although he did feel that it was necessary... To kill the man eaters. Yeah, I mean, I'm sh I'm sure he enjoyed the hunting part. That's what most hunters like the best is the actual hunt itself and not the killing. Yeah. So we've talked about his early life and some of his hunting. Uh, let's talk about his life after his hunting days, okay. which is just as important. So, uh, do you like Jim so far, Dave? Yeah. I mean, how could you not like this guy? He's yeah. awesome. I love this guy. Hey, he's amazing. Hey, he's he's a he's a voice actor. He's what? He's a voice actor. How's he a voice actor? He could do he could do animal calls. Oh, he he could. Yeah, <laughs> he could. That. Yeah, he could do what Fred Tattashore does. Then maybe might as well. Yeah, this guy if he had a microphone back in the day, whew, Ooh, could have been right. on radio too. What can, what can't what this can't, guy do? What can't Jim do? And you know what? You're gonna <laughs> like him even more in a bit. Oh, okay. So during the '30s. His hunting turned more into shooting with a camera. Okay. He became a big-time conservationist and worked on him making films. Hmm. So much so that he helped with the establishment with India's first national park. Oh, okay. Mostly aimed at... And it was mostly aimed at protecting these big cats. That's what a lot of the national parks are set up for in India. Okay. And this park was established in 1936, and the park was originally named Haley National Park, but it was later named and is still named Jim Corbett National Park. Oh, interesting. Okay. They named it that in 1957. Okay. And the park is located next to his hometown, Nainatal, uh, there in northern India. So Nainatal, it's actually very close to Nepal in China. Okay. Kind of in the Himal, almost in the Himalayas. Okay. But to this day, the park remains one of the richest national parks in India. According to the 2014 Tiger Census, the state of Uttarakhand, where it's in, uh -huh. <laughs> had 340 tigers and 215 of them live within the park. Wow. So it has over 200 tigers in the park, uh, the most of any national park in India. Oh, right on. And it also covers uh, 520 square miles, the park does. Okay. And it's also a good place for tourism. And you can go there today if you wanted. Right I was on. looking up a few things. Oh, yeah? Yeah. If you, I looked up uh, like travel on the travel info. In fact, 
Uh, I'll put. I'm gonna put up the website in the description oh, below okay. in case anybody who's just just curious and wants to look at it. Right on. Uh, there are hotels that offer safari packages, nice. so you can go on Jeep safaris. And if you want to spend a little, a few extra bucks, you can go on an elephant safari. Ooh, that'd be nice. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to India, I think this is the place of a partner I would want to go. I'd be genuinely interested yeah. to go there. I couldn't find prices for it though. The website didn't say. Oh. There was there was some. I've, it's they had a part of it, but it was it, I think it was in rupees or. Oh. Okay. So yeah. it was like a lot, and I didn't I didn't understand. And then I think I saw <laughs> that there was some of it was in euros too. It was like five thousand to fifty thousand that you could spend there. I think. Jeez. Depends on what you want to do. Wow. I'd have to go over that again. I'm not hundred percent certain on that part. That's crazy. But, you know what? Doesn't matter. In uh, 1947, after India split from Britain and became independent, Mm -hmm. Corbett left India along with a lot of other Britain residents who called India home for several generations, actually. Mm. So Jim and his sister, Maggie, told Mm -hmm. you she'd come up again. uh, They moved to Kenya. Oh, interesting. Which was still a British colony. Okay. Uh, he basically hung up his boots and retired there. Oh, okay. But he didn't just do any nothing while he was there. He became an author and wrote six different books about his adventures. Oh, right on. And one of them I've been reading, and that's his most famous one. I'll get to that in more in a bit. But he remained in Kenya for the rest of his life where he continued to help out and sound the alarm about declining numbers of wild tigers and other animals. Hmm. He remained very much attached to India and wanted to return, but ill health prevented him from going back. Jim would die in Kenya on April either 14th or 19th. I can't read my own handwriting here. In 1955 from a heart attack. It was the same as his father as well, a heart attack. And he was 79 years old when he died. So he, that's you know, good. he lived quite a while. Yeah, and that's a good lifespan for somebody back then. About almost eighty years, he lived a great, interesting life. Yeah, and, uh, he even wrote his own epitaph. Oh, really? So he says, and I quote: "I have come to the end of the jungle stories I set out to tell you, and I have also come near the end of my man-eater hunting career. I have had a long spell and count myself fortunate, and." While there have been associations when life has hung by a thread, I am amply rewarded if my hunting has resulted in saving at least one human life. Oh, right on. Cool. Like, yeah. I mean, I can't figure out anything I dislike about this guy yet. No. I can't find any dirt on him. I looked for dirt on him. <laughs> and the only <laughs> He's th- in the dirt. <laughs> the only dirt I possibly found is that he hunted a couple other tigers who weren't man-eaters. Hmm. That's it. That's that's it. Huh. Gee, that's a pretty neat guy. So pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Um, so I've I've got more stuff on him. Okay. So this is gonna be kind of our we like to do this with our individual animal solo episodes. So when we do a kind of a random fact bullet point section, that stuff I didn't have a place for earlier. Okay. Okay. And I've I've got quite a few as well for this guy. Okay. So one subspecies of tiger, the Indo-Chinese tiger, is named after him. Oh, really? Their Latin name is Panthera tigris corbetti. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that hey, cool? yeah. I mean, you can even call the tiger Corbett's tiger, and people, some people might know what that means. This guy must have been like uh, the crocodile hunter. Yeah, uh, he, he really must have back been. in the day. In know? India, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, I mean... The, he actually, he didn't hunt the Indo-Chinese tiger. He hunted Bengal tigers, but they probably didn't want to. That Bengal's pretty stuck in place in that name, so they just found a different tiger to name. Okay. But anyway, that's still pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, when World War II started, Corbett was 64 years old, and he promptly volunteered to train allied troops the skills of jungle survival. Oh, nice. Nice, right? Yeah. Uh, he... Very another interesting thing about him as a person, he lived the bachelor life and was never married. Oh, interesting, huh? Yeah, I, I don't there. I, there's, I couldn't find anything on his love life, nothing at all. Probably just loved the jungle too much, you know. He was into his work, maybe. Or, yeah, well, I got nothing. I, I can speculate all I want, but I got nothing. Hmm. 
So that's just interesting. Uh, this is interesting too. <laughs> it doesn't really make uh, go with anything, but it's kind of fun. In 1952, Jim met Princess Elizabeth. Oh, okay. Who is currently Queen of England. Yeah. What uh, year was that again? Uh, 52. Okay. I That's... read uh, when she goes down to Africa. Or no, I didn't read it. It was in Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, the uh, what is it? The Queen. Yeah. Yeah, she goes down to Africa. So maybe that's when he went to that's, Kenya. I guarantee that's Kenya. when. That's got to be when. All right, and he met her in Kenya when she oh, was hey. when she, when she was only a princess. Oh. Uh, in February of 1952, she be and she that's when he met her, and then she became queen like less than a year later. Okay. Yeah, and she was only in her 20s when she became queen. Wow. Uh, I hope I hope I'm getting all this information right for our UK listeners. I'm sure they know everything about her. Yeah. Everything there is. But yeah, you you saw a thing on Netflix about her? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So I got so I'm right? Yeah. Okay, I'm back. good. Man, now I want to rewatch that episode and see if maybe Jim had a little uh, cameo a little in cameo there. Cameo in there. Yeah. Apparently he met her and everything too. But oh. yeah, that's just something interesting. All right, so next one. Jim taught lectures in various schools and nature societies with a message to protect the vanishing tiger and leopard populations. Mm. So he was a teacher as well to teach the conservation. And he, so here's another, uh, another one. He left a gift to a village near Nainatal that is still useful today. So back then, and even now really, villages faced the, infusion of tigers near their homes, right? Uh-huh. To put an end to this problem while still maintaining a harmonious man-animal relationship, Corbett had a wall built. A large and long wall that surrounded, surrounds some of the villages near Nainatal hmm. and serves as a buffer between tiger and human territory. Okay. So, I guess in this case, build a wall. That's That worked out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, it was built in 1925, and this wall is still up, and it still works in restricting interactions between tigers and humans. Right on. Uh, big cats have, they well, tigers and leopards may have killed a few farm animals, but there has been no, uh, no attacks on humans since it was built. Oh, right on. I mean, can this guy get any better or anything? See. Um... Okay, so why I wasn't got... this guy president? <laughs> Seriously, right? Yeah. All right, so I got something else. Okay. Jim says that tigers are easier to track and shoot. He's than leopards. Hmm. He says heavier, maybe. He or... says, and I quote: "When a tiger becomes a man eater, it loses all fear of human beings, and as humans move more freely in the day than they do at night." It is able to secure its victims during daylight hours. Mm. A leopard, on the other hand, even after it has killed scores of human beings, never loses its fear of man. And as it is unwilling to face up to human, human beings in daylight, it secures its victims when they are moving about at night or breaking into their houses at night. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I do. I can definitely see how leopards would be a lot more difficult. They're smaller, more agile, up in trees. Yeah. I I definitely think that they would be harder to hunt than a tiger. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So in his books, he uh, assures readers that, however, the vast majority of jungle cats are not man eaters and should be protected. He just wants to clarify that. Yeah. Right on. Uh, he also deeply empathized with the poor living, uh, the poor people living in India and in some of these villages he visited. And when he worked for the railroad, he always hired local Indians. And we, even when he went on his hunting exploits, he would have them help out a little bit. He didn't want them to help out too much and get in his way, but he would have uh -huh. them help to make them feel good about themselves type of deal. Oh. Okay, we'll, we'll touch on pass on his, uh, his uh, learning skills too, you know? Pass on what he So, does. yeah, and I was, I was going to mention this at some point. So there is another hunter that we probably will cover sometime. Oh, okay. His name is Kenneth Anderson. He also... He was a little after Corbett, oh, okay. but he also hunted prolific man-eaters, too. So there's another hunter guy that we can cover. Okay. So similar to these stories. Right on. But let's continue on. Uh, not only did the people of these villages love him, 
but the Indian, the government loved him too. I'll bet. I mean, they, from what I understand, their cultures, uh, you know, they're uh, more sympathetic with nature. You know, they yeah. they don't enjoy killing animals or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, but even like the so, British part and the Indian part, they everybody loves them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I There's part of a letter. It's not an exact part of a letter, but it's like an example of what the what the parliament would write a letter to him to ask him to hunt. It's, uh-huh. an exa- it's not an exact letter, but it's an example. Oh, of one, okay. So. We, the public, venture to suggest that you very kindly take trouble to come to this place and shoot this tiger and save the public from the calamity. For this act of kindness, the public will be highly obliged and will pray for your long life and prosperity. Mm. So um, maybe they liked him because he didn't uh, take their money or anything. (laughs) But, I mean... Everybody's liking Jim Corbett. Yeah. So our our last fact, and to put over what a difference he made, especially in like tiger populations, mm-hmm. in 1875, there were around 100,000 tigers in the wild. In 2007, there were only around 1,500. And had it not been for Jim Corbett, his national park, his education he taught, it's very likely that there would be even fewer or if any tigers in the wild. Wow. So how could you not admire and like this guy? Yeah. I mean, quite the legacy to leave behind, right? Yeah. He's, I got nothing to dislike about him. I can't think of. So I got a couple other things. So let's, let's transition into our pop culture, Jim Corbett and pop culture. Okay. There's not too much on it here, but uh, Jim wrote six different books. Okay. Uh, his first was titled Jungle Stories in 1935. However, this was more of a template, and only around 100 copies were made. Well, that's so too If bad. you got one of those copies, that's pretty sweet. His next book, and most famous one, which is also the one I've been reading, oh. uh, called Man Eaters of Kumeon. Okay. Uh, in this book, he talks about his hunts for several different tigers, and he goes into great detail and believe me, great detail oh, yeah? <laughs> about all of these. And nice. so next week when we talk about the tigress, we're going to kind of read some excerpts from the book. Okay. Just so I don't have to write everything down. Yeah. But it's going to be really fun to do that. Right on. And the book was published in 1944 and was a big hit for the time. Also, it was published by Oxford University. Oh. And the book won many awards and was very popular by 1980. The book had sold over 4 million copies. Wow. And I highly recommend this book. Uh, I haven't even finished it yet, but it's been great. Right. It, it can, he gets a little tedious with some of his stuff. Like, that doesn't, he's like, oh, and I was flipping through a book one evening. And oh, okay. it, it gets a little bit like that. And it's kind of an old British talk for that time period. Okay. So some of it's kind of like, huh? Eh. But you know what? It's still a great read. And I got it on Amazon for like 10 bucks. So nice. I highly recommend it to our, our listeners. Um, some of his other books highlight his time in India and about the cultures. Others share more. He's got other books about other man-eating tiger and leopard stories as well. Oh, okay. So I'm going to have to order that one and get to those as well <laughs> for some point. Nice. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to check some of those out. And in 1948... After the book was such a success, there was a Hollywood film made. Really? It's an adventure film directed by Byron Haskin, who also directed War of the Worlds in oh. 1953. And the film stars Joy Page, Wendell Corey, and Sabu. No, mm. not the pro wrestler Sabu, who was <laughs> known for his crazy, uh, brutal matches and jumping through barbed wire tables. <laughs> not that Sabu, <laughs> but this he was Sabu was an Indian film actor who moved to the U.S. Okay. Unfortunately, the film didn't follow Corbett's adventures; they kind of made up their own, oh. and was very, very loosely about his stories. The film was pretty much a bomb. Oh. Corbett himself saw the film and said, you want to know what he says? Yeah. I quote, the best actor was the tiger. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Uh, Everything. God, I don't know. what I love this guy. Everything he says. (laughs) (laughs) 
other than other than that, there really isn't much more uh, in in uh, pop culture. Well, someone needs to make a proper film about yeah. him and his stories. I'm surprised that hasn't been done. I think there was a couple like BBC documentaries in the 80s oh, yeah? that were made, but yeah. I there wasn't much information about them, and I didn't care that much. Huh. But so, something needs to be made of this yeah. guy, right? See, yeah. So what do you think of Jim? You like him? Yeah, he sounds like a pretty cool guy. He's yeah. pretty neat. I'd hang out with him. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear his I want to hear his animal calls. I do too. That'd be sweet if we could actually hear. I don't yeah. think there was much recording back then. No, yeah, that's I don't know. True. I don't think we got it. But Mm-mm. Dave, that is going to wrap up our Corbett episode. Okay. But nobody worry. Because next week, like I said, we are going to go in-depth about his hunt for the most prolific killer in history. The Champwat man-eating tigress. The Champ? Champ. Uh, C-H-A-M-P. Yeah, the Champ. Oh, uh, W-A-T. Yeah. Champ, <laughs> Champawat. I'm saying I'm probably saying it wrong, guys. We'll just call it The Champ. Because it is the <laughs> Champ of an all-time man-eating. Yeah, it really is. Man-eating tiger with 436 confirmed kills so make sure to check out the episode next week it's gonna be really fun Jeez, there's actually in that village and have my face on a milk carton or something <laughs> there's actually one other man eater that is it's, it's not a tiger or a leopard but it's still alive and still exists today really we're gonna cover it sometime you, you're damn right why it's do you a, keep leaving us hanging like um, this? i'll tell you who it is it's a gustav the killer crocodile Oh, really? Where does yeah. he live at? In Burundi, Africa. Oh, interesting. We're going to cover him sometime, too. Ah! Wow. <laughs> I've got some good stuff on him, too. Okay, so right on. We're gonna. I think we're going to do a Nile crocodile episode. Okay. We'll cover his story. All right. Well, I've, I've, God, I've set up like 30 different episodes <laughs> that we could do by now. But um, I hope everyone enjoyed Jim Corbett as much as I did. Dave, if they... If our listeners like the show, what can they do to support us? They can go to iTunes. Go to iTunes. You know what? You can even go to Facebook or whatever app you use. Please give us a five star. Say something nice. Say something you like about the show. Uh, it doesn't matter what you say, but it really means a lot to us to get some more feedback. Now, something else people can do, and this is our first time mentioning this, and I've been, I've been hesitant to do it. But I feel like we're far enough along now where we, we can at least put it out there. Okay? Okay. Uh, like, we're we're not with any channel or anything. We don't have any sponsors, me and Dave. Yeah, the BBC did not support us in this. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> Nobody. Like we, did, we just don't have any. We're pretty small time right now. But we're, we are growing. I assure you that. And uh, I'm, I, I'm actually working on something trying to get a sponsor right now. Hey, we might right go on. through. But it's pretty much I just got to arrange everything myself with people I know right now. But anything, but something that would help out more than anything are some donations. Uh, as much as I, I kind of hate having to ask that, but it would it would mean the world to us if you could do if give us a few bucks to aid us in making this podcast. I need to find a real job soon. <laughs> I gotta. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm probably gonna have less time to do this. Sooner or later, but we're still going to do it. Don't you worry about it. But I'm looking, and I'm also looking into starting a Patreon account. So hopefully we can do something with that sometime soon. But for now, the only way we can accept any donations is through PayPal and Venmo. You can find us on PayPal by through our email, which is forceofnaturepod at gmail.com. Or you can just search Force of Nature Pod, and you should be able to find us there on PayPal. Okay. Uh, or we, we have Venmo under my personal account, which is Matthew-Hamilton-51. And I'm going to write this in the description below as well. But, okay, like I said, it's kind of cringeworthy to ask, but it really would mean a lot to us. Right, Dave? Yeah. So It'll help with that. We can start doing uh, uh, products and... Oh yeah, we've, I've been, uh, we've been thinking about making some, making some merch too. So we're in the process of trying to make a new logo for us. And I'm just thinking like force of nature inside of a mouth with a couple canines. Oh yeah. Just something simple like that, that we can put on a t-shirt or a hat 
And then, so we're going to try to get stuff going. I, I, I really want to do this. So help us out with that, please. Uh, and we accept any donations. We'll take a dollar, $2, $5. If we make five bucks, that'd be so, I'd be happy. And it'd be nice, like, yeah. look, dad, I made money off this. <laughs> <laughs> but Okay. Uh, enough about that. Kind of glad that's over. Let's finish our outros now. So remember, if you or someone you know has a cool animal-related story you'd like to share, or maybe you came across a cool article, uh, feel free to send it to us. Uh, or if you just want to say hi, uh, email us at forceofnaturepod at gmail.com. Oh, that reminds me. So we just yeah. had, me and Dave just found a new article that was just came out today in Utah about somebody who was killed by rabies. First, uh, first death in Utah by rabies in like almost 80 years. So we're going to have that on a future episode as well. <laughs> it's close to home. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's by bats. But yeah, we're going to, we might do another bonus episode just to cover that one or otherwise we'll have to wait for another two months until we have our recent episodes. Recent, yeah. Or we, we might just do a bonus one. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So email us and uh, also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, I'm still doing Instagram. I'll you haven't done that yet. I'm going to do it. Uh, we're also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the ones we need to be on. We are going to have our episode seven, the other tiger story, the other tiger episode. Like I said, it wasn't working, so we figured out a way. Well, Dave's computer crashed a couple like two months ago yeah. after we put out the episode so we lost the episode so the only uh place that it works is on spotify so now i gotta down upgrade my spotify and hopefully they'll give me a free trial so i don't have to pay and then i can download mm. it and then we'll get it back up that, that's the only way we got going so we're gonna do that don't worry um all right what else we got we got uh also remember to check out if you're into sports check out the sports project podcast with our good friend breck snyder who was on with us a couple weeks ago yeah that was a good episode as well so be sure to check that out if you're into sports and even if you're not check it out anyway (laughs) uh dave i'm ready to wrap up do you have anything else to add any questions anything else no sounds good i'm excited to hear now about the hunts next week. yeah the hunts it's gonna be a fun one next week so make sure everyone listens but this is the force of nature podcast thank you for listening tell your friends please tell your friends be a part of building this up and we will see you next week bye